The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you know you are absolutely in the right place. What's the buzz on the street? Well, this is a serious buzz. This is from an article I found in, let's see, uh, Matt Egan, the writer for Fox Business. This is October 2013, and the article is entitled, For CFOs, It's No Longer Only About the Money. Here's the quote. Over the past two decades, the role of the corporate CFO has evolved from simply a numbers guru to a big picture thinker involved in nearly every facet of the company. The modern CFO is often the right-hand man or right-hand woman of the CEO. Okay, just setting the stage there, we're talking about, obviously, finance, CFO, big picture thinking. So let's see what we want to talk about specifically. Well, talking to all of you out there around the world, we know you're in over 3,000 places listening to us here on Coffee Break with Game Changers. Your finance department is at a critical juncture. If this is breaking news, sit down, put your seatbelt on because we have to tell it to you. You've got to listen up. Gone are the days when your CFO just looked in that rearview mirror and reported on past results, past a month, six months, a year. No, can't do that anymore. Now, the Modern Office of Finance, or I should say the Office of Modern Finance, perhaps, can and should help navigate your enterprise forward using, wait for it, dynamic planning and analysis technologies. What are these going to do for you? Well, number one, they're going to help to simulate in-the-moment complex scenarios. I know that's a loaded statement. It's got a lot in it, but wouldn't you love that? They're also going to help you leverage advanced visualizations, talk about looking into the future, and they're going to help to simplify complex predictive analytics. Altogether, that's a great package that can help you help the people running the business. Are you there yet in your company? We want you to stick around anyway, even if this is not breaking news. If you're not there yet, or you're dreaming about it, or you've heard about it, or you're starting but a little tentative, stick around. I have three experts in this field who are going to help us figure it out and help you learn how to get started. I'm going to tell you who our panelists are right now, and then we will start with the opening quotes. Jeff Hattendorf is back. He's been a regular on Game Changers for a couple of years. He's the COO and co-founder of Macros. He'll tell us a little later what his company does. Joining us also is Rob Reed. If you're looking for him, his last name is spelled R-I-E-D. He's a senior manager at Deloitte Consulting. And a shout out to all of our good friends at Deloitte, Carla Neal, and all kinds of other people we've got who help us find wonderful thought leaders for game changers. And rounding out the panel is also a regular Floyd Conrad, Global Senior Director 
Analytics Center of Excellence at SAP. So now I'm going to circle back around the table to where I started, Jeff Hattendorf at MacroSpect. Jeff has sent me a very powerful quote from W. Edwards Deming. Those of you scratching your head, I know you've heard about him. We quote him all the time here on Game Changers. He lived from 1900 to 1993, a good life, an American engineer, statistician, professor, author, lecturer, and management consultant. In his book, The New Economics for Industry, Government, and Education, he championed work that became, that morphed into something called PDSA. You may have heard this in your business life. That's plan, do, study, and act. He also is credited with being one of the inspirations for the Japanese post-World War II economic miracle when Japan rose from the ashes of war to becoming the second largest economy in the world. He worked with Japanese leaders there. So enough about him. Here's the quote. A bad system will beat a good person every time. Jeff Hattendorf, welcome back. How have you been? Been doing very well. Thank you. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I love the quote. Uh, how does this relate to? We're talking about modern office of finance. Was I wrong to say the office of modern finance instead of modern office of finance? And and what would Deming say about all of this, Jeff? Well, so I, I think you're right in both both ways. You say it. it. At the end of the day, it has to be modern. And it, I, I think Deming would point to the nature of of the office of the CFO. And once upon a time, it was. It was Bob Cratchit in a, in a small basement doing books manually. For the last 30 or 40 years, we've had systems that kind of pull the numbers together, and we can see what happened last month or last quarter. Mm-hmm. But the, the systems we have today enable the business, the office of the CFO, to see what happens every single day nearly in real time. It, it changes the game. And if you're not modernizing both the systems and your people and your processes, you're going to fall behind and you're going to lose. Jeff, if we look at the bigger picture, and thank you for that, the, the modern finance office and the office of modern office of finance and all that. If we talk about a bad system, we'll beat a good person. Is that good person going to be a well-intentioned CFO, or is it going to be the whole company? If we're talking about a bad system, we'll beat a good person. Is the person personifying the entire organization today? Well, ultimately, it falls on the CFO and the leadership mm-hmm. team to recognize the opportunity and the threat, because it is both that if you don't modernize the systems, no matter how well-intentioned, no matter how hard you work, somebody else will have better information, make better decisions, and they're going to beat you in the marketplace. And that's what we don't want to happen. Thank you very much, Jeff. By the way, you have a, I think a new picture here. I'm looking at you with a very cool pair of shades on. I like the, I like the shades. I like the look. Cool Jeff Hattendorf. We'll talk about MacroSpect a little bit later. Welcoming to the panel now a newcomer to Game Changers. It's Rob Reed, Senior Manager at Deloitte Consulting. And Rob has sent us a quote from Stephen Levitt. If you don't know the name Stephen Levitt, I'll give you a clue. He wrote Freakonomics and Super Freakonomics. He's an American. American economist, born in 1967. He's a young one, known for his work in the field of crime. He is hailed as one of the finest minds of his generation. He made the Time Magazine's 100 People Who Shape Our World list back in 2006. He is considered one of, he's considered the fourth favorite 
living economist under the age of 60, according to a survey of economics professors back in 2011, following Paul Krugman, Greg Mankiewicz, I think it is, and Darren Asimoglu. And what you also might want to know is that here's a, a little insider look at Stephen Levitt. He said that he's never been good at math, and he finds much of his life's work embarrassing. That's a quote from an article a couple of years ago. Here's the quote Rob Reed has selected from Stephen Levitt. Go out and collect data. And instead of having the answer, just look at the data and see if it tells you anything. When we're allowed to do this with companies, it's almost magical. Rob Reed, welcome to Game Changers. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. We are delighted to have you, and I love this quote. How'd you like the little sidebar that he, he's never been good at math and finds his life's work embarrassing? <laughs> That's a little surprise from such a well-regarded... Yeah. I, I love it. Uh, frankly, I, I think I think a lot of, of being an econ, uh, economist is really finding patterns, right? A lot of what we do with with data, and, and really what this what this quote tells you is exactly that. It's not about mathematics. It's not about accounting or finance specifically, but it's saying find the patterns in the data, and let's you know let's let's see if there's you know additional margin or dollars to be found or or some kind of uh, insight, if you will, to be to be produced. So tell me something. Um, talking about, see if the data tells you anything. Is this your mantra? Is this your guidance to the modern office or the office of modern finances? Look at the data, see if there's a story in there. I know that, uh, I believe Levitt says that also, the story in the data. Uh, we're going to be talking today about some systems and, and getting rid of bad systems and looking at new ones, dynamic planning and analysis. So would that be the advice that, that uh, Stephen Levitt would give? Just look at the data, find those magical stories? Not only is it Stephen Levitt's advice, advice, but it's uh, Rob Reed's advice as well. Whenever, <laughs> whenever possible, uh, when we can, when we can take a big step back and instead of instead of formulating the story and then finding the data to support it, right? If we if we take a much more open view of the world and say, what is the data telling me, right? Are there are there insights to be found? Are there observations that maybe we haven't seen? Um, to 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 quote Levitt, it it really is magical. All of a sudden, we can change the trajectory of a company. We can find, you know, additional revenue dollars, or, or you know, change the margin profile very quickly. And it's it's a beautiful thing when we look for insights, right, rather than trying to, you know, manufacture answers. Rob, you just used two very interesting words. We, of course, we borrowed the magical word from Stephen Levitt, but I think you said beautiful. I've done a couple of, I think, five seasons with Chris Grundy at SAP, who brought all of you to me for this show, as well as Pras Chatterjee at SAP, put this panel together in this topic. And I think it's very rare that we use the words magical and beautiful when we're talking about finance, when we're talking about predictive analytics, when we're talking about economists. Uh, are, you, are you comfortable with that? Are you sure you want people to know that it might actually be an exciting thing to work in, Rob? You want to go that far? I, I do want to go that far. If, if you if if you don't if you don't uh, I mean it's, let me put it this way: it's very easy to get downtrodden when a majority of your time is spent collecting the data, or a majority of your time is spent you know pulling data from certain systems, or or doing you know VLOOKUPs of table one versus table two, or joining them in a in a database. But it's a whole different world when when all of that data is brought together. And instead, what you're doing is you're you're literally looking for patterns, and you're you're finding you're finding the next big thing. Um, I've, I've built my career around it, and, and frankly, um, any time when I actually have that full profile view, the, the full you know world view of data within an organization, I, I do believe that it's magical, and I think I think you can make wonderful things happen, and it, it can okay. you know to to 
to use the um, to use the game changers mantra, it is it is in fact a game changer, particularly when you can make it a repeatable process. We use the term insight factory rather often, and so when you can when you can bring that data together, all of a sudden one insight leads to another, leads to another, and and what happens over the course of a very short amount of time and a little bit of iteration and and uh, a little bit of brain power or or a brain trust in a room is you're able to you're able to come up and, and do wonderful things. Thank you. The, the energy and the passion is what we're looking for. I, I think part of the job of inspiring our listeners, and I say this to Rob and Floyd, we're going to speak to a minute, and, and to Jeff, is to getting them excited about something like finance, and especially thinking about young people coming into the workforce who might say, well, dad was a CPA, mom's an accountant, I don't know, I know somebody's a CFO. Boy, they have long, hard hours, that green shade and that green light, and they're sitting in a basement somewhere crunching numbers. Why would I do that? And you're saying... Good things about the profession. I like that. That's another form of inspiration. I like that a lot. Rob Reed, thank you. And again, welcome to the panel. And shout out to all of your colleagues at Deloitte Consulting. And now he's waited so patiently. It's Floyd Conrad, Global Senior Director, Analytics COE, Center of Excellence at SAP. Floyd has sent us a quote you all have heard very often, but I did a little digging. Quote investigator is my new best friend next to Wikipedia. And the source of the quote is Dennis Gabor. I'll tell you why that's important. He's the author of Inventing the Future. He lived from 1900 to 1979, a Hungarian-British electrical engineer and physicist. He invented holography, the hologram, and received a 1971 Nobel Prize in physics. But what's interesting is that his quote I'm about to read to you, and I'll, I'll read it now, the best way to predict the future is to create it. He actually said... The future cannot be predicted, but futures can be invented. This has been paraphrased widely by, and you may have known the quote attributed to Alan Kay, no, Peter Drucker, no, and somebody named Forrest Shackley, no, they did not invent it. So the core of this quote, the best way to predict the future is to create it. Let's give credit to Dennis Gabor. Floyd Conrad, welcome back. How are you? I understand you're a little under the weather today. Oh, yeah, Bonnie. I've been trying to recover from the flu, so um, if my voice sounds a little bit different, that's the reason why. So You sound, well, you always sound smart, Floyd, so we'll just go with that. So. Talk to me. Sorry to do so much investigating on your quote. I think you sent it to me as a, as a Drucker or an Abraham Lincoln or something Abraham like Lincoln, that. Right. Abraham right. Lincoln, right. I had a lot of fun looking this up. So we're talking now about the magic, the beauty, the intrigue of being in the modern office of finance or the office of modern finance. So talk to me about how this quote applies, please. Well, what I was thinking about is that, you know, with the information that we have today, you know, at our fingertips, I mean, what better position are we to make decisions that will actually impact the future. Before, we were so, um, you know, behind on the numbers. We were looking at, you know, we're mid-month, looking at last month's numbers. I mean, so many things have already happened between now and then that the information was still stagnant. I mean, today, you know, with the information that's available, you know, we can actually make decisions that will impact tomorrow. So um, I just thought this uh, quote was very relevant for that. Very, very, absolutely, and I'm glad you're well enough to join us. And now let's circle back around the table to Jeff Hattendorf. Jeff, before I ask you where you're calling from and what's in your cup, something fabulous that you love to drink and you can pretend it's in your cup right now. Jeff, just bring us up to date on Macrospec. I haven't asked you about the company in quite a while. Just give us your 60-second elevator, this is what my company does pitch. Uh, you know, our real job is to help bring clarity to our clients and help them take the data that they have and make it actionable information because at the end of the day data is just boring stuff 
and it was talked about a minute ago by Rob, when your job is gathering and collecting data, you really can't look for the patterns and find the information in it. And in the world of financial planning and corporate reporting and all the things that go with that, that's what we specialize in is, is helping companies understand how to manage that data so that it's information they can act on to measure and manage the business. Thank you very much. And now where are you and what are you drinking or what would you rather be drinking? Well, I'm in lovely Las Colinas, Texas. Uh, it's a suburb of Dallas. And today, since I'm still a little bit in recovery mode from a long weekend related to the Super Bowl, I am drinking or was drinking a Dopio from my friends at Starbucks. And now I have a giant cup of water to be sure that I can stay clear on the call. Dopio, you have to tell us what that is. Come on. You can't just drop that on me. I, I looked it up already. I have it up on Wikipedia, but what's your version? It's just a straight double shot of espresso, and it serves no purpose except to help me be sharp. I like that. It's uh, espresso in a double shot extracted using a double coffee filter in a portafilter results in 60 milliliters of drink. Ah, sounds very interesting. And anybody want to know how to spell it? It's D-O-P-P-I-O, Dopio. There we go. Yes, Jeff sounds fine. Thank you. I was telling Michael you're a little bit low. He sounds really good. Thank you. Rob Reed, where are you and what are you drinking? So I am in the beautiful city of Baltimore, Maryland. And at the moment, I am drinking a green tea with peach uh, made by a, a small little tea disruptor uh, here in Baltimore. So they're um, called East, East Shore Tea Company. So they're new and, new and making some exciting blends. Ah, we got that word exciting in there. Beautiful and magical too, Rob? <laughs> um, I, would say, I would say inspiring as, as much as ah. the tea can be. Got my my word in there. Thank you very much. And Floyd Conrad, I know you're not feeling well, but you do sound smart and you do sound good. What are you drinking today? Where are you? I'm actually in Dallas, Texas, so uh, not too far from Jeff uh, today. I'm actually having a cup of Harrods ginger and lemon tea. So if you ever if you haven't tried this, you really have to. Uh, my spouse is a flight attendant for American and always in London, so I get some nice, lovely, and they always say lovely in the UK uh, teas from there. How nice. Is that Harrods? Harrods you're talking about? Yes, Harrods. Ginger and L- Harrods. Yeah. Oh, I, I was in London a gazillion, gazillion years ago, and I remember uh, we landed around 5 in the morning, and we were on a tour. I, I was a kid, a teenager. We said, when is Harrods open? we got to go there first. <laughs> <laughs> Bleary-eyed overnight flight. Yes? It's a I good think they have really good tea, so uh, if you haven't yes, tried them, and- you should. And beautiful cashmere, if I remember oh, yeah. correctly. Yeah, that too. <laughs> tea in the cashmere, yes. The teenage mind never forgets the good stuff. There you go. The grown-up mind, not so much. We're talking today with Jeff Hattendorf at Macrospect, Rob Reed at Deloitte Consulting, Floyd Conrad at SAP. Our topic today is the Finance Manager's Guide to the Future. We're talking specifically about modern finance in the t- form of dynamic planning and analysis. And I have to say that one of Jeff Hattendorf's hand handles on uh, one of his hashtags he uses on Twitter is hashtag brilliantly boring. Before we go to break, Jeff, what is that all about? I just noticed it. What is it? Well, so in our world, projects tend to go up and down and people get excited and nervous and scared. And, and really the, the job of, of what, for what we do and, and what Rob does and Floyd and the folks at, at companies like SAP to help us is to produce brilliant results for our clients, but the projects need to be boring and predictable as much as possible. 
Thank you very much. That's interesting. Okay, I need a break. I don't know about the three of you. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back with a lot more. Jeff Hattendorf is going to kick off our roundtable when we get started in about 60, oh, maybe 70 seconds, like an extra 10 seconds today. So I'm simply going to say don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial, however you're tuned in. Michael out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP. SAP Systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. We are. We're talking about a finance topic today, courtesy of my colleague at SAP, Chris Grundy, and his teammate, Cross Chatterjee. And they have sent us three gurus on the topic of the Finance Manager's Guide to the Future. CFOs, we're talking to you. Dynamic planning and analysis. No more looking back over your shoulder at past results. We want to get into the future of this. We're talking with Jeff Hattendorf at Macrospect, Rob Reed at Deloitte Consulting, and Floyd Conrad, another another of our colleagues at SAP. Jeff Hattendorf is going to start the roundtable, and here's what Jeff told me in his notes before the show. He said, advances in technology are finally delivering on the decades-old promise to provide integrated, just-in-time financial intelligence across the organization. Jeff, why don't you expand this for us, please? Well, if you think about the quote you started us with, I think it was from 2013, and -hmm. the author of that quote was saying that the CFO is now a strategic part of the business. But even today in 2017, the vast majority of our customers and it's almost all name brand customers and, and big companies you've never heard of, but you've used their products, they still look backwards in time because they've, they've not taken the step forward from a system standpoint and from a thought process standpoint about how to make their, their role more strategic to the organization. You know, vendors like SAP and the others in the marketplace who have delivered new technologies, and it's specifically in-memory technology, lets us do the mm-hmm. first piece to me, which is kind of exciting, and I get excited about boring things. But it lets us see the business in real time, day to day, so that we're making course corrections or making changes in the business every single day and not looking back to where we were a month ago and trying to make directional changes at that point in time. The next thing, and this is where we're on the cusp of, I think, a really big change, and this gets into the idea of of what Rob was talking about earlier, of of it being magical, and Mm -hmm. where Floyd said we can define the future is technologies like Hadoop allow us to not only look at our data, but we can work with other people's data. It's not, we're not limited to what we have in-house. The organization can look to data outside the organization and use all kinds of analytics tools on top 
to begin to understand what really drives their business and find new opportunities that will help them be more successful in the future. It, it's, it, I know data is a boring topic, but it, it really comes to if you don't have good data and good tools to help you turn that in, into information very, very quickly, you're going to fall behind. Thank you, Jeff. Let's get Rob Reed on this. Rob, what are your thoughts? Agree or disagree with Jeff Hattendorf? I love the the beginning premise, right? The technology is finally delivering on this decades-old promise. Um, I I worked to create a, a real-time solution for AT and T in what I think it was '99, 2000, somewhere in that range, and and we could we could never quite get it. But but now with with advances in today's technology, um, we we actually have that ability. But but very much to um, to Jeff's point, if you if you don't capitalize on it, if you don't set the foundation with solid you know data practices, right? Um, core core data foundation and strong um, activities to be able to collect and, and harness that data with with proper tools, you'll always be playing catch up. So any anything that we can do to to help the the CFO and the finance and accounting organizations to to step it up, I think I think that's where. Uh, that's that's where we should be playing, and I, I always try to explain to folks: uh, be iterative, right? Start small, and let's let's iterate into the right answer. Um, that goes with technology as well. Sometimes sometimes going through and implementing these new big technologies is is somewhat you know somewhat scary. So start small, and and let's 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 uh, iterate into that right answer. Thank you, Rob Floyd. Let's get you in on this too, Floyd Conrad. Thoughts, please. Oh, thoughts. Oh, sure. Um, I, I just go back and think about when I first started my career, and. Um, we used to get stores to fax us the sales numbers, you know, the next day so we could actually get a good look of what we sold the prior day. And with technology today, I mean, that, that just sounds so antiquated. I mean, so for, you know, the people coming into the workforce and they decide to go into finance and accounting, I mean, there's tools in place now that they can make decisions very quickly. They don't have to sit there and collect data and, you know, look at things that are, in my, my opinion, you know, stagnant, you know, not, mm-hmm. not real. So, uh, you know, I think this is great. The, the, the time is now to do it. Thank you. That's interesting. You mentioned uh, faxing the sales results from the day before. That's so loaded with passe. I think that's what we're talking about is no longer how you have to be admired in the past, even if it's just the previous day or the previous night's receipts. Absolutely. Jeff, any comments? Yeah. Jeff, any comments on what Rob and Floyd just added before I move on? Well, I, I think the key to what Rob is saying is, is you've got to start small, and it needs to be a continuous improvement process. But the caution there is if you think that starting small means you can delay, you're, you're probably going to miss the window. If you could have told Blockbuster 15 years ago that mm-hmm. the Internet was going to change distribution of movies and you wouldn't have to go to a building and get a tape or a CD or a DVD, they might have had less real estate and still be with us today. I think this is that kind of a disruptive technology for the business around the world to, to be better prepared to make better decisions and actually grab more market share. It's, it, it's disruptive. There you go. And that, that's really, are we, is that what we're talking about, Jeff? Just to level set a little bit, we're talking about, about the office of the CEO, the modern office of modern finance, taking more of what, what we've called for many seasons now with Chris Grundy and, and his uh, colleagues on financial excellence with game changers. We've called that becoming a steward of the business, not just a keeper of the spreadsheet. So it, can we consider that, safely consider that disruptive that the CFO's office is going to say, uh-uh, don't think of us just as the, the nightshade, the eyeshade, the green shade in the basement. We want to help you disrupt the industry because we're bringing you fresh, just-in-time intelligence. Is that fair to say? 
Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And, and Rob made this point earlier that once you start to find the, how to use and understand that, that data set you have within the organization and you can tap into data outside the organization, it's the office of the CFO, it's the professionals in his or her team that know how to, to look at that, find the patterns, and help the, the business make better decisions. The engineers engineer things. The manufacturing facilities manufacture things. At the end of the day, it all has to come back to financial results in a for-profit business. And it's the office of the CFO whose job it is, if they choose to take it on, if they don't, someone else will, help the business understand where to go next. Thank you very much. And I'm going to look ahead at some notes here from Rob Reed at Deloitte Consulting. Rob, if you don't mind, I'm going to read a couple of statements that stand out to me that will move this conversation into another area. You say... Predictive technology is available to the masses. Okay, it's there, it's out there. Uh, Organizations have the hardware, the software, and the data that they need to run predictive. But here's where I'd like to focus. You say leveraging predictive will take a big mind shift in order to stop looking in the rearview window and instead focus on the future. And then you also say predictive transactional finance will one day be the new norm. Let's talk about that mind shift. Is this something that needs coaching? Does it need CFOs to tune into a radio show like this? Do the three of you need to stand on top of a mountaintop and start tweeting and blogging and saying, hey, wake up, CFOs? Do you think they know that it's not just, as you say, the technology, the hardware, knowing the data is there, they have to think differently. Rob, why don't you inspire us here, please? So, so I find that um, um, er- earlier, as we were um, uh, awaiting this, this uh, show, I, I caught just the tail end of the last show, which, which uh, pertained to an organization which, which was um, hiring you know, new and fresh minds. And <clears throat> the right answer here is, is they are, as a, as a CFO, I have to believe you're being inundated with it. And if if this was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, um, I'd, I'd imagine the exact response is, great, more marketing hype. Um, and and that's, what, that's, that's, that's a lot of what we initially get met with when we, when we talk about um, predictive transactional processing, as an example, or true predictive finance, or, or even uh, you know, uh, automation, if you will. Um, over and over again, I hear, oh, that's, yeah, that's marketing hype. What, is, what does that really mean? And, and what, what we find over and over again is, is it's very easy to dismiss but once you once you dip your toe in the water, you have to go full bore. And the the trick to this is is getting getting folks who are open to automation or or have the ability to you know give that additional perspective to say, oh, you know, if you know what what can I do to optimize my job as a as a consultant, I'm constantly thinking optimization. Um, I have three kids, and I, I like to time us getting in and out of the car, particularly when we had. Um, uh, um, Oh, strollers and whatnot, because efficiency is key. And so you need folks who constantly focus on how do I do what I've always done, but do it more efficiently? How can I take the lessons learned from the last cycle we went through, be it standard AR, AP, close the books, and, and really work to hone that and make it, make it effectively like a, like a NASCAR pit stop and really automate out the processes that take manual steps and really focus on on, again, not so much looking in the rear view, not so much collecting all this data, but instead turn all, my, you know, turn all guns downfield and look out that windshield and say, here's what's coming up, here's what we need to focus on. Either be it a market shift, be it a competitor's move, be it a new product that we're releasing. If we can, if we can spend that time to, to really um, take into account the future and really try to quantify what the future means, 
all of a sudden we, we open ourselves up to it, to a whole world of possibilities that just, you know, weren't a part of finance in the past. I hear magical again. I hear inspiring. I hear beautiful. You better be careful. You're changing this whole tone of the conversation. We're getting very cultural here. Floyd Conrad, love for you to join us. Thoughts about likening. I think it was a, a great analogy. Uh, Rob said something about making your processes like a race car pit stop. you got to have everything nailed down and precise and future-looking down the track. Floyd, talk to us. No, I agree with um, what, what was just said. It's definitely, you know, um, if you look at it, there, there, yeah, I can understand why some CFOs might think this might be some marketing hype, et cetera, because, I mean, back in the uh, software uh, business, I mean, we have said things like, you know, real time, but what we meant like near real time or we have said single version of the truth, well, kind of, sort of. But, you know, today it actually does exist. I mean, you can actually get a lot of real-time information. You can use uh, predictive with it. And I think, uh, you know, this is the time that, you know, CFOs need to understand this isn't hype. This isn't marketing lingo or marketing jargon. I mean, this is something that they really need to look at today. And if they don't, they're going to be left behind. There's going to be another CFO that's doing it. Or, you know, there's going to be other people coming up the ranks that, you know, will help drive this um, out into um, their business. Thank you, Floyd. Let's circle around the table to Jeff Hattendorf at MacroSpec. Jeff, what do you think? Well, we're talking a lot about predictive, predictive on this piece, and, and while I think that's the near future, until organizations invest in, in understanding where their information is today and trying to get to this idea of real-time information, it, it's really hard to put predictive to use. Um, clients don't understand. People don't understand how to use it. They don't trust it. We've all seen Terminator where the computers take over. We don't want computer t- computers telling us what to do. So it can't get lost in this that we still are organizations made of people. So we need, we need systems, we need processes to help us take all this data and make it actionable information as close to real time as possible. But we need people with knowledge about the industry, about the organization, who can act on that information. And while I get really excited about the data, I'm a professional nerd, it's, it's what gets me <laughs> up in the morning, we can't let, the, get, let get lost in this discussion that, that people are the key. And it requires True. us not just to give them data or information, it, we have to train them, we have to educate them, and we have to rely upon them if we're going to actually help companies become better in the, in the marketplace. Interesting. Rob Reed, I'm going to circle back to you to wrap up this topic, but we heard something very, I think, provocative from Jeff Hattendorf. Any comments from you, Rob, on that? Uh, whole, wholehearted agreement. Um, it's not. It's not often that I'm left speechless, or, or <laughs> but I, I, I'm, I'm actually. I'm actually very, very excited and heard it and, and love it. Um, so no, no, nothing. Nothing that I could add that, that would add a whole tremendous amount of value. Okay, thank you very. You always add value. Come on, just breathing. You add value, all three of you. I'm looking at Floyd Conrad's roundtable discussion notes he sent me. I have some. I love provocative. Um, let me pick up one here that I I think we need to. I won't say smack finance with, but it might come across that way. Floyd, you're going to have to defend this one. You say Excel is yesterday's toy for finance. Okay, come on. <laughs> Let's get this over with, Floyd. We, it has to come up on every show where we talk about finance. Chris Grundy is probably saying, yeah, he's listening, I know, from the UK. Yeah, we had to talk about that, too. Floyd, you, you really want to smack them with this? And what is today's new toy? <laughs> it's, it's really around... Uh, Business analytics and predictive. I mean, there are very, there, we have such great tools out in place 
that are actually better than Excel. I mean, I'm, I'm an Excel guru. I love Excel. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, but I mean, there are so many other tools that we have out in the marketplace that will provide us better analysis of the information. But in addition to that, to be able to use, you know, predictive algorithms or capabilities to uh, go out and look at what's, you know, how we think uh, the future will look like. And like Jeff said, we also need the people to be able to look at and analyze it, know the business, not just using the algorithms to come up with that. I always use the prediction as a starting point of what, you know, uh, it comes up with, but then people need to go back and look at it and tweak it and, you know, um, make sure that the information is correct. This is an area, actually, that I'd, I'd love to jump in. This is Rob. Yeah, um, please do. Just to, just to add some quick perspective there, um, I, I would challenge the number one analytics tool in the world in the world is Microsoft Excel. Yep. Um, so while I agree that it's that it's yesterday, you know, yesterday's toy, if you will, I think I think there's still a place for it in the future. Um, I, I think the the gurus at Microsoft Excel, if they're if they're listening today, they they need to continue to look at how to make um, these predictive aspects more a core part of the solution. Sure. But I can I can tell you that that you know personal analytics, as an example, um, is a realm that I. I tend to spend a lot of time on, um, particularly budgeting and financing for the home. Um, I can do things in Excel that that you know multi you know thousand potentially million dollar solutions can't do natively or, or easily um, because of the ease of access. Right? Of course, right. I got to collect all that data, et cetera. But but I, I think there's still a place for it. I think the, the the trick is 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 we have to we have to grow the we have to grow that base, right? And I think that's where a lot of these predictive tools, you know. You build the Excel add-in. Um, the the road into Excel is 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 your um, is your road to acceptance because the more people who can utilize uh, a core technology like a predictive uh, you know R language or something of that nature natively in Excel, all of a sudden you're you're utilizing uh, the passion and experience of of thousands of people you know millions of people around the world who who already own and understand Excel, and you're giving them the tools to. To, to become future, you know, uh, uh, future uh, visionaries, if you will. Future visionary. That's a little better. Whether that's a tautology or not, a future future visionary has a future visionary has a future vision. And yes, okay, we'll we'll go with yeah, that I one. I think you're right on. Now, who was just talking? Was that Rob? Because I know you jumped in. Rob. I want to make that was, that was Rob. Rob. Jeff, Sorry. we Jeff, we need to get you on this. What do you think about Excel as a toy, or is it still a very very valid tool that has a long future as a, as a visionary tool? Well, I hate to do this to you, Bonnie, but I'm going to be firmly planted in the middle. And it's, it's because ah. Excel is the English language of finance and accounting. It's the way finance and accountants look at numbers. They understand the numbers. They can actually do a lot of things with Excel. It's a very powerful tool. And to Microsoft's credit, they continue to improve the tool and what it can do. Um, but for most people who aren't in finance and accounting, it's not quite enough. And if you think about the, the phrase, a picture tells a thousand words or is worth a thousand words, it's the visualization tools that I think will have the most impact on the organization. Excel's not going anywhere, at least not anytime soon. Because the, the accountants, the finance people, even some of the statistical people, they want to see the numbers firsthand. But you move across the organization, people just want a picture that tells them where they're going, is it what they're doing working or not working. I think it's a blended solution, and, and Excel continues to exist at least, well, I hope for my career's sake, that at least in the next 10 or 15 years. But I don't think it goes anywhere anytime soon but it's not enough by itself today. Hmm. 
Hmm, interesting. Floyd, I'm going to bring it back to you. What do you think? You We have a, a yes and no and maybe I'm in the middle. We're all over the map. That's why I thought it was provocative <laughs> because I thought we were just going to slam people with it. And that was a good discussion. So, Floyd, that, you that wanted to... That was the point of putting it there. Do I think cells going away? Absolutely not. You know, I think that's something that's been there. But I think the... Uh, the importance of Excel, what it's, you know, what we're using it today is actually going to diminish a little bit. So, um, you know, hopefully we'll see in the future. Uh, I mean, again, you know, I just want other people to look at what's out there and what's available so they can, uh, you know, be able to make the right decisions in the future. Thank you very much. You know what? It's uh, We have about, let's see, ooh, about 11, 12, t- 10 minutes until, I'm trying to do higher math here, gentlemen, looking at several <laughs> clocks. We have about 10 minutes left before we go to our predictions round. And I know we've been talking in the framework of the future, looking ahead uh, almost in time and, and not yesterday, not rearview mirror, talking about that. I want to get into what was the, the specific topic that Chris wanted us to cover, dynamic planning and analysis. And since this is not my nomenclature, this is your wheelhouse, Jeff Hattendorf, Rob Reed, and and Floyd Conrad. I want to go around the panel because I think we've covered a lot of what you all sent me in advance. Go around the panel and have you define what would be the message for CFOs, for finance managers, to understand what how the word dynamic is being used in this case. Is it visionary? Is it future? Is it don't go to sleep at all? You have to capture that mo- that in the moment data, and nobody dares shut their eyes anymore. So h- how are we? referencing dynamic planning and analysis. Jeff, you want to start us? Certainly. You know, when we think about the idea of dynamic planning, um, sometimes the word dynamic makes us think that, oh, my gosh, we're going to plan the business every day. Well, that's not reality. It's not, that's not pragmatic. At some point, we have to be pragmatic. And, and I use a, a, a simple example to try and illustrate the point for people as to is what exists today and to try and challenge them to think about things differently. 20 years ago, I kept track of my, of my checks and my ATM withdrawals mm-hmm. in a paper ledger. Mm-hmm. For the better part of the last 15 years, I've used a software to keep track of it. It downloads the, the, the transactions. I can see everything. I know where all my assets are. Now on my iPhone, I have an app that tells me exactly when my credit card's been used within minutes, if not mm-hmm. almost as fast as I swipe the card. I can see the transaction on my phone, and it alerts me if there's weird spending patterns and the rest. The, the dynamic part of this is that last step. It's taking the, the information systems we have today out of let's do a download and see what we did yesterday or last week or last month. It's let's set it up so I can see what I'm doing right now. That's the dynamic part of it from an analysis standpoint. On the planning side, it's taking these large pools of data and using these, these analytics tools to dynamically find patterns and predict where we're going to go next so that our people can make better decisions. Thank you. Thank you. And is it is this mindset or is this software, hardware, technology? What is this, Jeff? How do you see it as we're talking to the CFO, to the finance manager, and we're guiding them right now in this conversation? Is this something that they have to accept and then put everything in place, or do they already have everything in place, many of them, and they just have to put their mind around it? So where is where is the stretch here? It's a mixed bag on the, the technology and the, and the processes. Uh, ultimately, it comes down to the mindset, in my opinion. And the reason for that is uh, there's a number of CFOs we've worked with who more or less have said, I am well served by the organization I have today. And what that tells me is they don't recognize the opportunity that these new systems and technologies provide, and they don't see a threat that's imminent. And I think if, that, if they're sitting in that boat, someone coming up the ranks in their organization will hopefully educate them, or one of their competitors is going to be more effective and they're going to lose market share because of it. 
Mm, there's a do or die in there somewhere. Thank you very much. Rob Reed, let's get your take on this. Dynamic planning and analysis. Hardware, software, strategy, the right people, the right systems, the right processes, mindset, visionary. How does this all come together for you as you define this term? So when it comes to, when it comes to dynamic planning and analysis, um, <clears throat> no, we, there, there are some foundations that we, we have to, have to uh, complete within, within the cycle of business, right? We do that because maybe we're a public company or because it's, it's uh, standard and, and, and provides basic shareholder value or information to the street. So that's, that's your, your foundation. Um, <clears throat> being able to provide a, a standard financial plan um, quarter by quarter is important. However, um, there's a whole additional layer that, that I believe CFOs and, and operations um, uh, COOs effectively are, are really missing here. And this is, this is the ability to take an ad and really understand what does that mean to a given product or what does that mean to a given uh, potential cross-promotion. And, and I think the, the new frontier is, <clears throat> is really taking what was a finance plan or an operations plan and maybe even a sales plan and turning it into a marketing R&D plan and really understanding how it all interfaces with a, with a product life cycle. Um, <clears throat> I'll, I'll give you a great example of a, of a, mm-hmm. of a past organization that, that I was lucky enough to work with. Um, we were predicting the, the effective um, ability to um, determine how a movie would do upon release. Okay, so a movie is released, it has certain stars, it has certain cachet and story and marketing, and the question became, how much, you know, how is this going to do financially? Well, the question also became, how much money are we going to spend on marketing? And, and it became this, this great scenario because this organization, if you think about it, was releasing products at least once, two, three times a month, and we got to watch the life cycle in real time. And, and what this came down to is, is, the planning became so much more dynamic because we were able to see this life cycle in short, short form and we were able to start saying, what are the aspects that, that, could, you know, that could affect this, right? Is it summer? Is it winter? Um, is, you know, what, what's a certain star's power or director's power within the industry? And, and really adding all of these different dimensions and, and using the technology and effect, effectively having that CFO mind, mind share to say, you know, I care about using social analytics or I care about, you know, using all of this other data in order to solidify my true end-to-end dynamic plan. And that's, that's where it became real to a lot of people. And the best part about all of this is it later fed the financial plan. So all of a sudden the financial plan became that much more rich. So I, I, I hearken back to one, one point, one point only, which is CFOs care about accuracy. Um, they, they love to talk about, well, my plan is inaccurate. Well, the problem is, is you need to look at all of the aspects that go into your plan and, and maybe become more dynamic, right? Allow, allow that mind shift to occur. CFO. Okay, I like that. I'm processing what you were saying. Thank you very much. <laughs> Floyd, let's, let's turn to you. Agree or disagree or, or you want to talk about dynamic planning and analysis? And I'd love for you to talk about integrating financial plans if we haven't mentioned that already. Yeah, first of all, I want to say what Rob said. It's spot on. I mean, uh, one of the things that I have always kind of um, preached when I talk about planning and budgeting is really kind of getting all the planning silos moved into one area or moved together to make sure they're all integrated and connected. I mean, if somebody's doing something out marketing or out in the field or in finance and you have different planning cycles or different planning processes, I mean, things are so disconnected. I mean, how can finance be correct? 
So, you know, if we have a truly integrated uh, dynamic planning system in place, you know, we can be so much more uh, accurate, which the CFOs like. And not only that, I mean, the information will just be just incredible. So we can be able to make better decisions. We can actually go look at what's going to, you know, what we should do in the future. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, still trying to get over this cold, uh, Bonnie. Mm, you're doing fine. Uh, you sound great. <laughs> okay, thank you. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, definitely I think the office of the CFO is in a, in a position today where they can put in systems uh, that will, you know, make for a true dynamic planning system that, um, you know, hey, this will be. This is the time to do it. So, and again, I think it is part technology, but it's also part people and process, as always. Thank you, Floyd. Thank you to three of you. We're not quite. We're about two and a half, three minutes until we go to predictions round. So, I want to ask uh, to me a, a very important question for the three of you. We're going to do round robin again. Are CFOs sitting behind a rock? And let me preface that: not that they're not paying attention, but does the I'll use the gentle word, the longevity of the CEO in either their company or their industry and business. Are they open to this? Are they all jumping up and down? It's beautiful. It's inspiring. It's magical. It's exciting. we got to do it. Are they saying, "Eh, I don't know. It's a lot of work. We have so many people who have been here forever. We really have to do it. So is this what I like to call breaking news, or is this people saying, yeah, we're really glad to hear this because we're already on that path. So, Jeff, what's your thought about the mindset out there? I, I know you talk a little bit about the people you work with, but overall, where do you think the, I'll call it the CFO profession is as an industry and into itself? So the, the profession, I, I, I think Rob nailed it earlier, looks for accuracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of that job is performance financially. And so when, when they're thinking about these investments, I don't, think these, these ladies and men are ignorant of, of the tools and technology. They're not sure where the ROI is, and it's hard sometimes to build a business case for this because you can't actually always predict where you're going to find the return. And so with that in mind, sometimes they just don't know how to build the business case, and, and it's, it's a little bit of a generational gap because if you ask someone in their 20s or even in their 30s mm-hmm. who uses technology all the time and kind of grew up with it, it's different for those of us in our 40s and 50s because we're, we've had technology, but it's not the same. And we think, about the, we think about it a little bit differently. So it's not as intuitive to us. And I think this generation of CFOs understand that there's an opportunity in some cases. In some cases, they don't. But it always comes back to where's the ROI? What is the, what is the real tangible benefit that I can put my name against? And when it happens, I get a pat on the back and I'm, I'm, the, I'm the guru, I'm the advisor, as opposed to putting my career at risk because I can't guarantee these results. Thank you very much. That's what I was looking for. Rob Reed, go ahead. I was going to say, to to, to add to to Jeff's point and even even clarify a little bit more, um, they know it's out there. Um, The CFO and and, and those in finance, they they understand and they see it coming. The question is applicability, right? How do I apply it? And and to, to very much Jeff's point, where's the ROI? I was I was sitting in sitting in, in talking to a, a CFO specifically on the subject of, of ROI in this area um, just last week, and his perspective was, I, you know, my, my organization has data scientists. They're not in my organization. You know, they're not in, in the mm-hmm. in the finance team at that organization, and I have financial analysts, and everybody's sort of just doing their own thing. Um, moreover, if I ask for a report, I get the report. You know, 
I, I don't I don't see the need for for all this new technology. And and what what he was very much blind to was the amount of time and effort and and all goes far as to say heroics in order to answer the simple or even the the you know secondary level questions. The the issue becomes. What happens when all of those questions are answered and he has tertiary questions and, and really the advanced questions and starts really focusing his perspective on what does the future hold? And the heroics that, that go into producing what he asks for today could not possibly facilitate the next generation question. And so, so we started talking about finance disruption and finance transformation 2.0 and what it would really take to not only not only be able to answer those questions, but what does it take to ask that advanced question as well? And that's, that's where that's the big mind shift is CFOs have to start asking that next level question. Not just, not just where was, you know, where was our sales last year? Or where was my, you know, where did we end our month? But, you know, what is our next quarter and, and how, how can we be more accurate and what does it take? Thank you very much. And Floyd, you know what? I'm going to give you the honor of starting off the crystal ball predictions round because we are already into that time, that segment on the show. We have about three and a half minutes left. I'm going to give you each 60 seconds. So Floyd Conrad at SAP, why don't you look into the crystal ball? You know I'm kind of keen on 2020 because as somebody told me on a show last week, it's only three New Year's Eves away. So get your champagne ready, kids. (laughs) Barbara Walters is going to be there at all of our parties. I'm positive. 2020. Excuse me, Baba. Okay. So Jeff, Floyd Conrad, 2020, what will be different about this conversation? Anything or everything we've talked about, about dynamic planning analysis, mindset, future vision, visionary CFOs, the whole works. Floyd Conrad, prediction 60 seconds. Let's do it. I think in 2020, we'll still hear a lot of the same information, the same topics that we talked about today. Uh, what I think we'll be doing, though, differently is that we'll be talking about how many organizations are actually doing this. And we could even be talking about, you know, who didn't and maybe who's still around and who's not around. Uh, but I definitely think this is going to be very relevant. In addition to that, I'm sure that we'll have new technology and new uh, capabilities as well. So it'll be exciting to see what 2020 has to bring. Thank you. Brief and to the point, my man here, Jeff Attendorf, circling around to you. Jeff, what do you see? 2020, you have your champagne picked out yet? Well, I haven't picked champagne yet, but that's more because I'm a whiskey guy than champagne. So whatever's on hand that night will be good for me. There you go. So what's your prediction for our topic? Well, I think by 2020... And we're starting to see this. We're, we're in some of the early adoption of in-memory technology, and that's, that's the foundation. And I, I, I look at this as a jigsaw puzzle. Once we've changed the systems, now we have to think about the processes differently. You know, the accounting process today, the planning processes today are all tied to a month end or a quarter end and, and trying to, to do what we can with the information we have available to us. And so over the course of the next three years, as Floyd said, we're going to start to see some companies make these adoptions and begin to excel because they've, been, they've enabled their finance organization to be more dynamic, to be more modern. I think that those case studies that are successful will have done something along the lines of what Deming did with, with manufacturing in the 70s and 80s mm-hmm. around the Plan, Do, Study Act so that they have the enabling, enabling technology. They're going to use that continuous improvement approach to improve the process, to take advantage of what the technology can do so that those people who have all the knowledge are much more valuable assets to them than simply collecting data and putting it into spreadsheets so that we can get some numbers out the door. Thank you very much, Rob Reed. We'll end with you 60 seconds, and that's all I have for you. Go. Not a problem. Most organizations will be still having this conversation, but the, the leaders, the leaders within any, any individual sector, 
they'll start to emerge and they'll emerge and you'll, you'll know that they've been embracing this technology because they'll be doing things inherently different. They'll be marketing new products that folks frankly just didn't think about or they'll be cross-promoting um, with, with different organizations that are also thinking, thinking in, in, the, in terms of future and predictive. And that's where, that's where you'll start to see the separation and, and everybody who's that fast follower out there, they'll be, they'll be working to catch up. Thank you very much. Also, brief and to the point, Jeff Hattendorf, such a pleasure. Rob Reed, delighted to get to know you. Hope you'll come back. Floyd Conrad, feel better and always happy to speak with you. We've been talking about the Finance Manager's Guide to the Future. If you're interested in the, the quips and all of the, I think, the bon mot, the words of wisdom from my panelists, go to Twitter and look at hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. You know what that is, S-A-P Radio. It's the hashtag. You know, the pound sign, the number sign, that's where we are. And you can see what I've captured and what I think uh, Jeff's been talking and tweeting at the same time, and so have some of our others. And Pras Chatterjee at SAP has been tweeting, and uh, so has Chris Grundy. So happy to have this conversation. We're definitely not brilliantly boring. We're just brilliantly brilliant, Jeff Hattendorf. That's what I'm <laughs> going to go on record to say. Thank you to the three of you. Thank you to Michael, our engineer, for playing with those dials on the audio and making sure we stayed on and everybody had a good, clear volume. And uh, that's all we have for now. I'm going to give you my call to action. Tomorrow we'll be back with two live shows. I think we have second episode of Designing the Future with Game Changers, and we have Changing the Game with HR. Two very good shows, one at 10 a.m. here on the Business Channel Eastern and one at 2 p.m. Eastern, also the Business Channel. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Here we go. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.